Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, Jeff Moak, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. It's his birthday. It is your birthday today. Yeah. Yeah. Hope so you spend it well. Have have, have a Texas Twinkie. That would be my suggestion. Or how many did you have the other day? Not the other day. I haven't had I haven't had one since they were on sale. <laughs> so I probably won't for a long time. Five fifty a pop, I think. Is that I think that's the price. When they're not on sale. When they're not on sale. Right. They were two fifty. Two fifty. Which is why I bought nineteen of them. Nineteen. Nineteen Texas Twinkies. And they were delicious. And they held up for several days. Yeah. I'm not ashamed. In fact, I think that was one of the best decisions I've made recently. Dude, I had a, a friend who I did ministry with early on in my ministry career who um, he grew up and his family would go to McDonald's after church on Sundays because McDonald's burgers were discounted on Sundays. Uh-oh. And so they would stack up That's on cheeseburgers cool. and they would bring them home and you would think, oh, great, they've got cheeseburgers for the, the week. They're going to put them in the fridge. No, they would leave them on the counter. And like people, don't go bad, like yeah. their family members would just walk by and grab a cheeseburger throughout the week. They and don't just go bad. Bow down on it. They they don't go bad, man. That's the McDonald's. That's their special I touch. I don't know. They about could that stay one, out man. on the counter for weeks and I mean, still be just as edible. He survived. He survived. He's right. still with us. Still but. doing his thing. See, there. You, in fact, he's probably more well preserved because of the stuff that he ate. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I have questions though. I have questions. I have concerns. If you buy a bunch of McDonald's cheeseburgers, put them in the refrigerator. It's it's okay. Is this a matter of your pastoral authority that you're exercising? Here? Yes, you don't. Wow. Yeah, like there's trusting God and there's testing God. Oh, and those are two totally different testing things. Testing God, you're saying, right? Just right. bring back the days when they were thirty nine cents, dude. Uh, yes, that was the good yes. old days. That would not be good for my waistline, but it would be great for <laughs> my bank account. Yeah, I'd be all about that. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, it's Monday. I don't know what else is going on on Monday. Do you know what's going on on Monday? Um, nope. Nope. Nothing, nothing I'm familiar with anyway. Yeah. It's well, my day off. Just hanging out. Yeah. Doing a thing. Well, let's jump into the text then. Jeremiah 43, 44, 45. Okay. I'm ready. Jeremiah 43, we get uh, the situation where Jeremiah is taken to Egypt. Dun, dun, dun. This is not a good thing. Um, as Jeremiah in chapter 42 had prophesied, hey, don't go to Egypt. Uh, well, the people didn't listen to him. In fact, uh, here's one of their responses. Look at verse two. Azariah, the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, the son of Kareah. I wonder if Kareah was like the Hebrew Karen. <laughs> um, and all the insolent men said to Jeremiah, you're telling a lie. The Lord our God did not send you to say that. And so then they, as we talked about yesterday, choose, yeah, we're not going to listen to you. Uh, They did not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. Instead, they come into the land of Egypt because, verse 7, they did not obey the voice of the Lord. This is a repeated theme in this chapter is they didn't obey the voice of the Lord. They didn't obey the voice of the Lord. And that's going to be a problem because God is not mocked. What you sow, you reap. And here you have a group of people that are mocking God in a very, very, very clear way. They are throwing their fa- their fist in the face of God saying, we're not going to listen to your prophet. And instead, we're going to run. We're going to go to Egypt. And it's interesting because look at verse 12. God's response, part of it is, he says, I shall kindle a fire in the temples of the gods of Egypt. Now, 
Why is God going after the Egyptians? We're going to see that, I believe, in tomorrow's reading in the Oracles Against the Nations, that yeah, he's going to go after Egypt. But why here in dealing with the punishment of his people and their continued refusal to repent in a godly manner, why is he talking about the gods of Egypt here? And I think the answer is found in what they were doing by going to Egypt was not simply running for their lives from the Chaldeans, but they were communicating to Yahweh, we are going to trust the gods of Egypt more than we are going to trust you, Yahweh. So part of God's judgment against his people was, you're going to trust in those gods, watch what I'm going to do to those gods. And he brings the Chaldeans in to obliterate the gods of Egypt. Egypt has been such a thorn in their side. Yeah. I mean, I, I, every time I see their name, and of course, we're going to read soon about the judgment that God pr- uh, pronounces upon them. I think e- e- Egypt, guys, why? 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 I, I get it. I, I guess they're they're a powerhouse. They've got you know really cool figurines, and maybe they have pyramids. I don't know what they had at that time, but I just think of Israel. Like they were, they enslaved you, and and God had to perform great and powerful deeds to redeem you from their clutches, and yet you you want to run back. I don't get it. I don't understand that, but. I have a question, and I don't think you can answer this, Pastor PJ. This is more awesome. just a curiosity. Without <laughs> setting you up for it necessarily. I'm just, That's great. It's a question. Yeah. Why are they blaming poor Baruch? What did he do? Verse three. This is a lie, and it's Baruch. He's the one who's telling you the truth. Why Baruch? At what point in any of Jeremiah's writing and preaching is it like, oh, hey, Baruch put me up to this, guys. Let me just tell you what he told me to tell you. <laughs> poor Baruch. Why is he getting thrown under the bus? I don't know. That's We don't know. You're right. We can't answer that question. I guess speculation would be Baruch is the one. He's been kind of Jeremiah's right-hand guy. He, he sent Baruch to the king with the scroll when he was to, to read the scroll before the king. And so maybe they're drawing implications. They're drawing their own thoughts there going, well, maybe Baruch is the guy. And, and yeah, but yeah, no, Baruch. Okay. He takes it on the chin on that one for sure. Well, yeah. I was just concerned about that. Like, Poor Baruch, what did he do? Yeah. He, was just, he was just associated with the problem. I'm sure he appreciates that, man. <laughs> I see you, buddy. I see you. I think there's something to that. You know, you, it's you're not, it's not only the, the the figurehead who's being attacked. It's those who are associated with the guy who's right. saying, follow the Lord. Everybody's going to get burned one way or another, whether it's the guy preaching at the top or the people following that preaching, in this case, Baruch. Nobody is safe from the clutches of the enemy. And, and that's... That's a, a foreshadowing of what Jesus would tell his disciples. The world's going to hate you because they hated it hated me. Yeah. And if it hated me, it's going to hate you, right? And so we even see that principle borne out even in greater fashion with, uh, with Christ and his disciples. Yes, we do. Chapter 44, then, I, this one I summarized as just persistent obstinance. Uh, just the, the, the refusal of the people to see that they're wrong and they shouldn't have done what they've done. Uh, verse four, yet I persistently got to speak into the people. I persistently sent you all my servants, the prophets saying, do not do this abomination that I hate. I wrote Romans one down next to that because though it looks different, God has still not left himself without a voice. Uh, and that's a voice to all people. And that's where in Romans 1, Paul makes the argument that everyone is liable because God has revealed what can be known about him to all creation. And he does that persistently every time the sun rises in the morning. That is God saying, I'm here. The creator exists and I have done this thing. And there's an opportunity. Will you acknowledge the creator? Or will you suppress the truth? So in Jeremiah 44, this is 
the same song, different verse that people are still singing today as they continually uh, set themselves against the God of creation. He's not left himself without a witness, even if they don't have the prophets coming to them today. So in the last chapter, you said it was likely that they're pursuing the Egyptian gods. And I think you see that in chapter 44. For sure. It's the queen of heaven, which yep. is so fascinating because again, you, you start to look at the fact that God has revealed himself. He revealed himself as masculine. He is the father. He is he's Yahweh. And yet they're pursuing this this female God, this, yeah. the, 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 what they call it, the, the divine feminine, something like that. Anyhow, they're pursuing this false God and they're saying, look, when we, when we stopped worshiping her, things went badly for us. And when we started worshiping her again, we're, things seem to be turning around. So help us understand then what it is that Jeremiah reasons with them. Cause he responds. And I, I appreciate that about Jeremiah. He doesn't just leave them saying, you know what? You're right. I don't know what happened there, but who knows, kind of shrugging his shoulders. It seems like he kind of responds to them saying, you know what, okay, here's what, here's what happened. Do you think you understand what took place there? And this goes to show the superstition of mankind. I think this is our, our default inclination. We kind of read into things that we shouldn't read into. Right. And they make a false logical conclusion. How does Jeremiah correct us in this? He reminds them that, that God was not unaware of what they were doing and that God was still, uh, he was uh, first patient with them. Patience. Well, he, he yeah. just was choosing not to hurt them. He right. was choosing not to discipline them in their, their selfishness. Right. And you see that in verse 21, did the Lord not remember them? Did it not come into his mind? I mean, he saw you doing these things. And then verse 22, the Lord could no longer bear your evil deeds. There was a limit to his patience. And when he reached that limit with Israel, he brought the judgment. When he reached that limit with Judah, he brought the judgment. Verse 23, it is because you made offerings, because you sinned against the Lord and did not obey the voice of the Lord or walk in his law. That's why this disaster has happened to you this day. Yeah, so it wasn't the, it wasn't the queen of heaven protecting you. Right. You, you are mistaken. Right. That is a wrong conclusion. Right. And so the rest of chapter 44, I mean, Jeremiah just lays it out. Here's what's happening. Here's what's going to happen. And if you think you're going to escape, you're going to die a different way. And if you think you're going to escape that, you're going to die a different way. So it, Jeremiah is just saying there is nowhere to go anymore. The, 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 the die has been cast. It's over at this point. Judgment is coming. There's no more. Maybe they'll respond. Maybe they'll repent. The judgment has been issued. Well, see, and this, this is what's interesting. They've already been judged. <laughs> 586 has happened. Right. This is further judgment, This is right? more. Yeah. They haven't learned. And that's what's so curious. about the, the depth of the hardness of the human heart is not to be underestimated. And I see this in here. I mean, yeah. I, 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 how, how many times does a kid have to be spanked before they say, okay, I get it. Right. I guess in Israel's case, the number is infinity because they still seem to push back on him. And what terrifies me is verse 27 in chapter 44. Behold, I'm watching over them. Oh, that sounds nice and sentimental. Incorrect. I'm watching over them for disaster and not for good. <laughs> That's awful. Incorrect. You are wrong. It's not. It's, this is God watching over them for, for bad. That is so scary. Right. I don't want to be on God's bad side. It's Romans 2.5. You're storing up wrath for yourselves on the day of judgment. Right? Right. I mean, that's what they're saying. Look, we did all these things and everything went well. Where, where was God then? And right. how many times do people do that today? And yet Romans 2.5 is enacted. God is watching over them, storing up wrath that they're storing up for themselves on that day of judgment. And yet we also find out too, speaking of Romans, that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Yeah. It's so, and yet here, what we're seeing is, is the exact opposite. It is his forbearance that actually further instigates them against him, yeah. which is so interesting because at some point it's God's love, his kindness that melts the heart and causes them to say, okay, I get it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, chapter 45 is weird. It's a wee little chapter here. Uh, see, I, so I'm not the only one who cares about Baruch. Right. I'm, con I'm concerned about Baruch. Right. So is God. Yeah. And it's, it flashes us back to 605 BC. 
Um, so this is back before everything that we've just been talking about again. Because yeah. why? Because yeah, like weird flashback. We need to go to heaven and, and talk to just, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah what happened, buddy? What did why? someone else rearrange this for you? Or well, and and to that point, one of the, at least one of the commentaries I consulted said that chapter forty-five may have originally been the end of the book. And so there may have been this idea that Baruch is, it, this is the conclusion that's being given mm. here. And that this is the way that the, the book originally ended. In fact, they said the Septuagint of Jeremiah um, includes chapters 46 through 51 uh, back after uh, chapter 25. And so um, it's possible that the book had a different arrangement when it was originally delivered. Now, does that throw our, our does that shake us? Does that cause us to go, oh no, then we can't trust the book. No, of course not. It just means... It's, it's possible there were different arrangements. I mean, remember what was going on. Jeremiah had prophesied and given this scroll, and then the scroll was taken and cut into strips and thrown in the fire, and then he had Baruch write it down again. So we don't know exactly if this is the original order that everything was out was laid out in, but we can have confidence that this is the content that it was uh, laid out in, and there's reasons for that. And that's also why if you want to pick up a chronological Bible, mm-hmm. when it kind of chops up the whole Bible into different pieces, like no one's going to say, oh, that's wrong. You're mishandling the Bible. No, the order is not the important part. The content is. So, I mean, it's yeah, we're reading it this way. So some might read it a different way. That's fine. We, we got the same content. Right, right. Anything else you want to mention on, on Baruch here from chapter 45? I like him. You like Baruch? It's a good guy. All right. So he's blessed. Uh, Gomez baby number six will be Baruch Gomez. <laughs> I can't say that that would ever be the case, especially if, if it's a female, if we don't, if I ever was pregnant, which your we're wife, not. Your wife would be pregnant. I And here's the thing. I said this at the old church and the lead pastor did the same thing. Why can't I just say I in reference to us? The two shall become one. Everybody understands I'm not the one carrying the actual baby, but it's her. It's, I'm it just saying in today's society and culture, I think we need to be abundantly well, clear. In our context, it makes everybody understood. The vernacular is clear. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hey, let's turn over to Hebrews chapter three. <laughs> Please. Please. Let's get there as fast as we can. Hey, Hebrews chapter three, we are continuing. Remember, our focus on Hebrews is Jesus is better. That's a good sermon series title, isn't it, Pastor Rod? That is. In fact, one of us might have made lanyards with that very thing. And there's at least two of us who listen to this podcast that still have it. One of us may have had that title before the other one. Yeah. Well, see, okay, so here's the thing. We talked about this a couple days ago when we started Hebrews. Uh, I'm pretty sure when I, because I'll go and look at like, oh, what have other churches done with this book right. and see how they do We're it. We're not and the only ones that have done that. Man, this is so, Jesus is Better is, is a great, t- I mean, I'd, call, I'd go to a church called Jesus is Better Church. There's a song called Jesus is Better. There's a song. I mean, there's everything, yeah. which rightly so. Yeah. And here we're focused on the person of Moses. Uh, Moses was significant. And remember, he's writing to a group of people tempted to return to the Mosaic system, tempted to return to Judaism, to return to the Mosaic covenant. And so he's trying to get them to understand the foolishness of doing that. Again, as we talked about yesterday, even with warning passages, saying there's a danger here. And one of the reasons is Jesus is the better Moses. Uh, Moses was there for a purpose and was great and he was faithful to that. But Jesus has been appointed over the house. He's worthy of more glory than Moses. Moses was part of the house. Jesus is over it. He's the builder of the house. He's the builder, the architect of it, right? Yeah. And so we need to make sure that we're not wanting to go back to something that Jesus has uh, fulfilled, that Jesus has has, uh, shown us something even better than that. And what was Moses known for? Well, one of the things Moses was most known for was bringing the people into the promised land, giving them, quote unquote, rest. Although our author is going to argue here, how much rest did he really provide? Well, not eternal rest, that's for sure. And he couldn't lead them into the promised land because of the disqualification. Right. From him and everybody else. Right. 
Right. And so there is a, another rest. And, and here he warns us in verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called a day, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Y'all, Hebrews has so much to say about the importance of the corporate body of Christ in making sure that we stay the course. And this is one example that we see here. We need each other church to be reminding us of the, 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 that Jesus is better. There's going to be things that want to pull us away from following Christ for them. It was a return to the Mosaic covenant. That's probably not your battle right now, Mm. but something is out there that for you, you look over your shoulder like Lot's wife and you think, man, Maybe that would be better. And, and I, I wish I could have Christ and this thing in the world. I wish I could do this in whether it's maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drinking, maybe it's a past sin that you had in your life that you gave up when you started to follow Christ for the first time. And, and there are times that you look back fondly at that. You need brothers and sisters in, in Christ that are going to remind you, hey, Jesus is better than that. Any pleasures you got from that, they were fleeting and they were they were a facsimile and a cheap one at that of the satisfaction that we have in Christ. Stay the course and keep following Jesus. Amen to that. And I, I like the todayness, the urgency mm-hmm. of, hey, today, today, today. That's a repeated word. And of course, the the, the preacher of Hebrews takes that word and says, uh, and, and exhort one another every day, as long as it's called the day, as long as you have breath in your lungs and you, right. you have right now, use the time, use the energy to exhort one another. That is to spur one another on, to uh, to spur each other to, to an increased and improved, a deepened faith. And I, I appreciate that because I think so many of us can look at our, our Wednesday nights or our, you know, our HFG community group and then our Sunday and say, okay, I'm, I'm filling up my Christian cup. When I think in reality, um, scripture calls us to something even more robust than that. There is a todayness and yep. every day, an ongoing conversations, connections, prayers, uh, exhortations. That's that's a day by day kind of situation there. Yeah, we just talked about that yesterday in, in the sermon, right? This whole idea that, that God's grace is something we need every single day. Yeah. That we and, and those are all elements of God's grace in our lives. The, the desire that you have to pick up and read the Bible in the morning and the fact that you do it, that's God's grace in your, your life. I mean, that is that is something alien to you that desire to, to read God's word, the desire to to, um, to get in the car and listen to a sermon podcast rather than turning on a political talk show is God's grace in your life leading you into those things. The desire that you have to be a part of a community group is God's grace in your life. So yeah, it's, it is an, an urgent thing. It is an everyday thing. And, and it's it's God's grace working in and through us on a daily basis. Let me push back on you and yeah. ask ask you to spar with the critic here. Uh I self-discipline myself to to read, to study, to go to church. I mean, I don't always want to go to HFG um, community groups. I don't always want to read my, I read my Bible anyway, whether yeah. I'm tired or hungry or whatever else. So I did that, Pastor PJ. And, and that's the great mystery that we have in Philippians 2, 12, and 13, where we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God who is at work in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So the will that we have, that we bring to the table, the discipline that we have is, is a result of the spirit working within us to produce that in us. And so the, the response, and we need to, to be careful not to take too much credit and not to fall into the opposite end of the spectrum, which is, okay, then I'm going to let, let go, go and let, let, God. let God, right? Yeah. Um, we bring something to the table, but it's this mystery where even what we bring to the table is enabled in us by God. And, it, and it's his grace, and that should humble us and drive us to just be thankful that God is producing those desires in our hearts. Amen. And that that also 
appeals to the the study that we're going through with our men and women. Yep. Fruit of the Spirit. The last of the fruit is self-control or yeah. self-discipline. However you want to look at it, it's a fruit born by the Spirit of God in our lives. So even the discipline that you exercise, that's the Spirit working in your life. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us again today, and we will catch you, Lord willing, again tomorrow. Hope so. You better be there. Yep. For Tuesdays. That's edition. right. See ya. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.